What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Mark Haney, an all-around incredibly selfless leader, striving to help all those around him grow as human beings. He's a magnetic leader, drawing people in, and from my perspective, this is from his authentic desire to help people discover their greatness. What originally caught my eye about Mark is the family compound that he is building with his adult children and their families. What they are building sounds like a dream, and I'm excited to share it with you. During our conversation, he says something that stuck with me. He said, control is not real. It's a waste of effort. Listen for it, my friends, because I think it matters. Enjoy meeting my friend, Mark. All right. Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Beyond stoked to be sitting down talking fatherhood with Mark Haney. Mark, welcome to the podcast. I am honored to be here, Ned. Proud uh, that you invited me and uh, uh, look forward to talking fatherhood. It's my it's probably my favorite subject I, that I don't talk about enough except for with my wife. Yeah. You know, and so funny is I realize that with men, you know, a lot of times when we show up and, and, and have a conversation, we're talking business, hobbies, whatever. But if you open up a guy and you ask him about fatherhood, first, it kind of catches him up and like nobody asks that. But then once you start rolling, it's like the deepest conversation because it's so true to our hearts. And our paths have crossed a few times. We actually, my business has a, in your co- co-op working space, we have an office in there. Um, our paths have crossed a few times. And I've heard you say on two occasions, something about a compound for your family. And that's where I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. I want to hear about this. So we'll get into that. But um, I got a couple of initial questions right off the gate to help people get to know you. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So first question, how old do you find yourself today? How old? Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I'm 59, um, but I, I try to keep up with my kids and grandkids. So at times I I like to feel like I'm a lot younger. You and I saw each other at CrossFit the other yep. day. And uh, so I'm trying to keep up with those young CrossFit people. And I wouldn't even say keep up with. <laughs> you are crushing it. And I think that's key for people to hear. Like, Because uh, people get caught off like, why are you asking how old I am? And it's like, okay, well, I'm 59 on paper, but I feel... X because I'm putting the work in. And I think the motivation behind it is, you know, one, I want to look like a badass in front of the mirror and my wife think I'm, you know, smoking hot dude, but I want to be able to play with my kids. You know, um, I get it. You know, I surf with my son and I'll see other dads sitting on the beach and it's like, wait a second, dude, you could be out here if you just figured it out. Yeah. It's, uh, it gives you, I, I think there's something about working out, um, that is a, I mean, I, which I think is healthy for the family. If, if dad uh, can alleviate some stress mm-hmm. um, by uh, leaving it all on the mat, uh, whether if, I do yoga as well. So you know, yeah. it's pretty intense. And so when I get done with that, I'm a better human being. And so hopefully I'm a better dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love it. It's so funny because I'll just share this. My 13, almost 14 year old daughter is like kicking and screaming about going to this workout class with her two sisters. She's in soccer and we found this really cool gym that's kind of like a CrossFit, but it's it's hyper intentional with younger age. Anyways, she kicked and screamed. I'm like, give it two weeks, kicked and screamed, give it another week. And then we're standing around the island in our kitchen and she looks at me. She's like, I'm so much happier after I work out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, if you could catch that at 13 years old, life changing, right? To, 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 to tie those together, right? To tie those together. Not I feel better, not that I look better. I'm happier. Yeah, that's interesting that it clicked with her um, in that way. Yeah, yeah, because I think she was just smiling, laughing, standing around the counter. So anyways, okay, uh, 59, how long have you been married? 
Um, it'll be 37 years in June. Woo, bro, yeah. that is an accomplishment. 37 mm-hmm. years. Congratulations. And a huge thank you. A huge thank you. So such a good example. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, it, it make it a good decision. I mean, that's if, if there's anything that any uh, dad can take away and uh, pick the right person uh, to, to go through this journey with, to be a parent with, if you can find a way to do that, then you have, uh, you've got yourself on the, on the right foot for fatherhood. Uh, and I think for life. And I know that we don't always do that the first time around. I was lucky and I did, um, but get the right person. Don't settle. Okay. So you're 22 years old when you made that right decision. So if you could go back to 22 year old Mark, what was it that allowed you or helped you to make that decision? If you could impart any wisdom on us there. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I I knew with my wife that she, um, I knew she really loved me and which was really helpful for me. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's a, Sounds so egotistical to say that, but I think sometimes as a guy, we want somebody who we at least feel like our our uh, our spouse uh, adores. But she also had great values. Um, you know, she she was um, not that I put the highest uh, level of importance on this, but she was one that um, you know kept her commitment. She got good grades. She went and got her degree. She and then working hard. And so, like I had to respect for her as uh, almost like a um, a worker or human. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet she, you know, she loved me as well. So that was kind of, it was a pretty cool combo to have. Um, and so that there's really, there's no weaknesses in that, um, in that person that are, um, the type of weaknesses that, uh, would make, make you say no, uh, as a best friend. Yeah. Okay. So two things I heard from you, uh, that are just, I think, huge. Because, you know, my hope is like that you and I impart into younger dudes who are making this decision and anybody listening right now, you probably know some younger guy, like impart this to them. So two things that you said is she respected herself. She, right. She wasn't throwing herself. She had a life. She, she had a life. She had um, confidence. Um, and, and unfortunately, because of how men have treated women in, in some circumstances, women don't always do that, right. Have this self motivation, self-confidence. So you respected her is, is what I heard, you know, which is, which is enormous. And then you said best friend. And I don't know that we always get into thinking about my marriage as like, Whoa, this is my best friend for life. And sometimes my wife and I are like, I said it the other day, I'm like, Hey, I just want to share this with you because you're my best friend, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so two, two beautiful things. Um, how many kids I would say just to add to that is, uh, you know, being somebody that's been married a really long time, um, She's become more of my best friend the older we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. You grew together. Mm. Love that. How many kiddos do you two have? We have two. Uh, my son Marcus is 34. My daughter Ashley's 36. And then we have a handful of grandkids. Love it. Love it. So fun. Now, this question I ask, I, I don't always love the question, but there's a purpose behind it. The question is, what do you do for a living? And the reason why I ask is it's it's a reminder it's not a, like a flex on anybody. It's a reminder that fatherhood hits us all the same. doesn't matter what I do for a living. It's a level playing field when it comes to, you know, raising kids and being there for grandkids and digging into your marriage. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Um, so with that in mind, what is it that you do for a living? Yeah. So I, I was video stores, if you can believe that. Okay. Uh, transitioned into security cameras. Um, I own my own businesses um, and then uh, sold my companies. And now I'm kind of doubling down on various businesses. I own a few security companies, concrete. Um, and then I recently started, I, I've been doing investing too. I'm investing in like 50 or so companies here in Sacramento. Okay. When COVID hit, that that kind of prompted my team and I to start uh, something called the Growth Factory, which is a startup accelerator with an accompanying venture fund and a backyard advantage. And the backyard advantage really is the leaders of Sacramento rallying around those promising startups. Yeah, I love that how you really um, are intentional about making it about your home. You know, you want to see Sacramento succeed. And I think that's so cool. All right, jumping into some fatherhood. This question I don't always ask, but I'd love to ask you. You've hit a few stages of life. I mean, you know, from babies to school to high school to college to your kids getting married to having grandkids. What's something 
over that time period of you said your daughter's 36, what's something you've learned about yourself, right? Like fatherhood can really be a mirror to, to teach us about ourselves as a man. What's something you've learned about yourself over the years through fatherhood? Hmm. I, I didn't know how much I would like my kids. Uh, and it's like, you know, so, uh, and maybe even the first year or two, um, you know, we all, we love our kids, of course. Um, but I really found myself, um, enjoying the experience of being around my children, helping them through sports, um, and through business as they got older. Um, and really now it's more like we're friends. So I didn't know how much I would really like that. Cause mm. I mean, I had, my mom was kind of like a best friend to me, my dad, it wasn't quite the same relationship. Um, so I didn't really know as a dad how I would feel, but I really ended up loving it. Ah, that's so cool and super encouraging. The other day I had this huge, just hit me across the face. My oldest is 16. And it's just this reminder that the way life is today, our five kids in the house, waking up, fighting, playing, it's not going to be like that for very long. You know, Brooklyn said to me, we're sitting on a beanbag in our living room, just sharing our days, whatever. And I was like, you're leaving to, you know, and she's like, yeah, 24 months, dad, I'm out of here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So the reason I bring it up is just super encouraging to go, wait a second. It's not over. It's just different. And we're going to be friends for a really long time. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. When your kids leave, um, my kids still live local and we're building a family compound, as you mentioned, but, um, when your kids go away to college and that kind of thing, it can be, um, uh, you know, stressful or, uh, sad. Um, and I, I had that a little bit with my son when he went into the Marine Corps mm-hmm. but in a big way, cause he ended up getting deployed and ended up getting shot in the leg wow. uh, in Afghanistan. And so that, um, heightened uh, sense of uh, knowing that you're going to be a part at some point and then actually going through it can be uh, a pretty difficult thing. And then you'll, you'll be ready for it. But um, I would say it's something to maybe get yourself. Well, I don't know that you need to get yourself worked up about it, but just know that as an older guy, it's um, it's something that it, it'll sneak up on you when, when they go away to college or go away into the Marine Corps. Yeah. So, so question with that, like what's any advice that you would give? Um, how do you show up for your kids? Like as adults, how do you show up for them? Currently, um, I, I attempt to show up as a solid grandfather mm-hmm. and, um, and I want to show up as a sounding board or somebody that listens. Um, I have, you know, I have a podcast and I, and I have a, and I'm sort of a football coach type of guy in terms of personality. So occasionally I don't listen enough <laughs> and I catch myself not doing that. So my hope that, uh, that was kind of a, I guess a new year's resolution, if you will, that I said this year is I want to listen better, but I, I say that mm. kind of thing to myself all the time. Um, because I think that's one piece of, uh, a relationship, even a parent relationship that I think it it's always been important, but it's probably more important as we get older. Yeah, man, that is so hard. I think for dudes, especially to listen. Well, it's like, it's that constant reminder, right? you got to be in your head going, listen, listen, pay attention to what's happening. Yeah, Shut you're your so mouth. full of advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have all these, you know, uh, I have all this wisdom to impart really, you just want to be heard and loved. And I have to remember that. You know, EO helped me a lot with that, you know, joining EO about a year and a half ago in, in that you're not allowed to give advice. And I know you've been in EO for a long time, but they're, you know, seven hour class on how to operate in EO, which basically just pounds in your head. Uh, don't give advice, only share experiences and let people get out what they want, interpret it themselves. So I've been trying to implement that with my kids too, so that they can, you know, fail on their own and then come to dad when they need to. But it is hard, you know. Well, it seems it's interesting to because I'll occasionally be listening to parents talk, and um, you use the term "fail on your own." And I think a lot of us, 
it's probably more often with a mother, but even with dads, um, we tend to want to be there to catch them before they uh, right. skin the knee instead of letting right. them get skinned up a little bit. And they do need to fail and, and, and deal with their own problems um, and learn how to stand on their own two feet. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding that, it's finding that balance. As you've been a father, um, and think back, you know, when your kids were young or throughout any stage, what's been a good resource for you? Like what's something you've leaned on over the years to not just always be like, okay, well, I'm going to figure this out on my own. Have you had any resources that have been helpful? Great question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is my, uh, my wife, um, the second thing, you know, she's, you know, no one cares about your kids the way that you, and your, sure. uh, you know, the mom does. So if you can have that kind of relationship, that's, and we do, um, I also have a brother that has kids, uh, mm -hmm. right around my kid's age. So definitely growing up around sports and coaching and, you know, I, I, we, he and I could sort of compare and contrast. Um, but I, but the, but the one example that comes to mind is, uh, one of the coaches I had, when I was younger was such a, a great example of a husband and father mm -hmm. and baseball coach um, that it's sort of like, Hmm, what would John do? And he mm -hmm. passed away a number of years ago, but I still uh, remember him as being, uh, you know, he's a stern uh, person, but um, you know, deep down that he really cared and we all knew that. And it was something that, uh, I could always think back as to some of the examples like John uh, that I had in my life. I love that. When you, when you said that, I wrote it down. I said, what would blank do? Like, mm. are you and I and everybody listening, are we the kind of men, are we living our, our words and actions every day that some dude is watching us going, Hey, what would Mark do in this situation? Hey, what would Ned do? You know, and that's really the space I'd love to be is that, you know, younger or guys in a situation, they can look to us as leaders and then they'd live the same way. And somebody's looking at them. Like, I just don't know that that's happening enough. Like if you say, Hey, who's a leader in this world you really admire right now? It's kind of, it's, sometimes it's a little hard to say. I think sometimes we put um, the wrong people as the heroes mm. uh, in our, in our world. Um, you know, the, the guys uh, in professional sports and right you know, uh, things like that, people that have uh, millions of Instagram uh, followers or hundreds of thousands, mm -hmm. you know, we put those people up as uh, our heroes. And, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having respect for the people that, you know, have had success because there's, there's something there, but there's heroes in our neighborhood mm. um, on our street that, um, that are doing stuff that might not look heroic to some, but it takes, a lot of courage. Um, they make a lot of sacrifice. They, uh, they're very gracious, um, and generous as, you know, some of the values that I, that I think heroes have, yeah. um, you know, we, we forget about them and there there's everyday heroes around us, you know? Right yeah. Here. I I love that, you know, and I think it's a great reminder if I'm your next door neighbor and I've been married, you know, I've been married 18 years and I'm going, man, marriage is super hard right now. And my next door neighbor has been married for almost 40 years. That's a dude I should be looking at. That's a dude I should go, Hmm, what's up? You know, maybe I don't like, you know, how you don't mow your lawn or something, but don't throw everything out because I don't like one thing. Like look at the areas that are really thriving. And, uh, I think that's, that's critical to pay attention to. If you were to describe the role of the father in just a couple sentences, what do you believe the role of the father is? To be a leader. Hmm. What does it mean to be a leader? Be respected enough hmm. so that your children will follow you. Hmm. I love that. I mean, because there's a lot that, that really boils down to, to be respected. If we think about who we respect, it's based on consistency in action and words, right? Like I trust that I could be around you. Um, and so if you and I could show up as fathers, grandfathers like that, I mean, you're a leader and that's really what it means to be a father. I love that. Thank you. So this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes and you're already doing it, opening up your, your field notes, sharing your wisdom, sharing your life with us. But the mantra behind the whole thing is rebel and create. 
So this came to me in 2015, just struggling with identity and really searching for, you know, what's my purpose out in the world and like in my career and my hobbies and blah, blah, blah. So this mantra came to me of rebel against the status quo of whatever it is. And then out of tearing that down, create something. So what's something that you are rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that? Now it could be like, I'm rebelling against, you know, you know, the world says this is what a man looks like and I'm creating this, or it's like, I'm rebelling against having my phone at the dinner table so that I can create great family meals. So what's something that comes to mind that you're rebelling against that Mark Haney is against rebelling, fighting for, and what do you hope to create out of that? Well, I'd say if there's something I'm rebelling against, um, it's mediocrity, mm. being average. I think it's okay to be great. I think a lot of society has one view of how things ought to be, and it's kind of uh, run with the masses. And I think that finding the greatness inside of us mm. is some of the most rewarding aspects of life. And so much, uh, so often, that gets, uh, I guess, uh, beat out of us in some way. And, um, and so I, to me, that's a cry in shame. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm hoping that with what I do for a living, with what I do for my family, that I'm discovering greatness inside of other people and hopefully mm. nurturing a little bit of opportunity that, uh, gets them to, um, take some steps to help themselves and ultimately gain confidence and self-esteem and do something important in their lives. Man, this is really powerful. And I love it because you say it's okay to be great. So on one hand, I can see myself like in the mirror, reading an affirmation in the morning, being like, Ned, it's okay to be great. Go after your stuff. But then I also, you know, with that yin yang, whatever is discover greatness in others. And to say it's okay to be great doesn't mean I'm better than you. It's that I'm, you said this, like, I want to help people discover what's inside them, like what makes them great. I think sometimes when we think about it's okay to be great, I think the reason why people don't like it sometimes is they think that means I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to one up somebody. And that's not what you're saying at all. It's like, dude, be yourself, be amazing. And then if you're out there, like, it's not about feel amazing compared to, it's about be amazing for you and then bring that out in other people. And I think if that's what we could lean into, I mean, I think people would be themselves a lot more. There'd be a lot more like authenticity. And I think that's a bit of what we're missing right now. Yeah. I think people wonder, you know, they wake up when they're in their mid thirties and wonder why, uh, you know, they're not as happy as they hoped they were. And many times it's because they went through the motions in their lives instead of deciding to do something a little bit different, be, I say, okay, to be great. I'm, I'm saying it's okay to be different. Um, it's okay to, you know, find a path that, uh, is a little bit less followed. Uh, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's what you're, um, uh, it's what, if it's what you think you were meant to do. Yeah. I love that. You said, don't run with the masses, right? You, there's comfort in that. But there's not always, you know, I mean, look around at mental health, look at how depressed people can be like running with the masses and doing what everybody's doing isn't working. I think a lot of people are sort of uh, um, sleepwalking through their life. I call it mm -hmm. sheeple sy syndrome, right? They're just mm -hmm. uh, going along with the flow. And uh, next thing you know, they've, you know, let a lot of years go by. Um, and if your children can have that mentality at age you know, as, as teenagers or even younger, yep. that uh, it's okay to think outside the box, be a little creative. You don't have to succumb to either peer pressure or societal pressure. It's be you. And, but, but, you know, find, a, find what you can be great at. And, and, and that you, I like to immerse myself in stuff that I love and then find, if I can find some greatness in there, great. So if I'm, say I'm 40 years old right now and I'm listening to this and I'm like a dad at a, at a whatever job and I'm just like, man, I want to feel great. What's a couple of things? I mean, clearly they're listening to a podcast, right? So they're already digesting some information. What's something that you would recommend that they do to help discover who they are if they've just run for like 30, 40 years, you know, not really knowing that or pursuing that? 
Yeah. I mean, one of the first things that that's helpful for me, at least, is uh, to stop for a minute. <laughs> um, I think there's so many times we're like, man, I just can't get off the, the, the treadmill or the, the hamster wheel or whatever. But I think if you stop and decide, um, you know, what you might want to do or what you want to do. I wrote a mission statement. I stopped. I, I sold my companies um, and uh, then I stopped. And I wrote a mission statement and that mission statement has been sort of my North star. Um, it's around creating opportunity for my family, friends, and communities. They succeed, I succeed, but that's me. I mean, ever be different than me, but I think stopping coming up with at least a vision or a mission that kind of gives you, even if it's a little bit vague, a, a general direction where you want to go. Um, and then let that guide your decision-making. What did it look like for you to pause and write out a mission statement for yourself? Like realistically, it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take the afternoon to do this or, Hey, I'm going to, you know, just set aside the next hour. What, what did that look like for you? So sold my companies. First thing I invested into, um, was, uh, a dry erase board. And, uh, I sold my companies and I helped through the transition and mm-hmm. so on. And I ended up leaving the company. Um, and so I had, um, you know, I'd invested in the concrete company, another security company, but I was more of an investor. So I had free time. <laughs> um, and so I took a summer and I wrote down all the things, you know, kind of like a, a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, tried to connect dots and, uh, and turn it into a mission statement. And so <laughs> that's how that went. And I, I stared at that dry erase board and at that mission statement um, for years. Now it's tattooed to my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, man. Love it. Okay. So let's get into this compound. What's up? Where'd this idea come from? What does it look like? Let's, let's dig into this. Okay. It's called Haneyville. My last name is Haney. Okay. Uh, and it's an old winery. It's the original winery of Placer County, the county I live in um, from the thirties. And so when you pull in, it looks like a little town. Um, so we decided, you know, just as a, a placeholder, let's call it Haneyville for our family compound. Um, ultimately, uh, my two kids and my wife and I will live out there with a, um, the town area, uh, being kind of a family rec center. So my, my kids already live out there. We already got their houses completed. My wife and I are building ours. And then the town, sadly, we have to rip down the original structure and build a new town. Hmm. So, but it's all designed and, uh, I'm in for permits right now. So hopefully, uh, uh, working on the town soon. Our house just started. Okay. So how many acres are we talking about here? It's 72 acres in the heart of Loomis, which is a small town outside Sacramento. Um, and it's, uh, it's got creeks running through it. It's, I call it the most magical place on earth outside of Disneyland. And (laughs) it, my grandkids love it. We have dirt bikes and Mm -hmm. all the different kind of fun outdoor toys and, um, it's, it's a great place to play tag or hide and go seek or play catch, uh, or ride a dirt bike. It's, it's really something I think that, uh, I would wish it, I wish I would have done it or I wish I would have done it earlier, but, uh, it, uh, we sort of stumbled across the opportunity when somebody wanted to buy our house. So it's like, Oh, where would we do? Oh, how about the family compound idea? Okay. So where was this idea born? I would say it was born for my wife um, because somebody made an offer on our house. And so then we bought the acreage and started uh, started down this path. But the Haneyville concept and the whole town piece, I'll call that my concept because I want, I'll take any idea and try to put a twist on it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I want to do a, a family compound that wasn't just three families living out there let's make this really badass. And so that's mm-hmm. what we're working on right now. Um, and so we created a website, Haneyville.com. Um, it's funny because there's a, uh, there's a town in Pennsylvania called Haneyville. Oh, they really? Didn't, they didn't own Haneyville.com. We <laughs> grabbed that domain name. And so we basically have some pictures of our, uh, you know, the property and some things that we're doing out there. And, uh, and I make videos for my grandkids that I write the song to, um, and then my buddy sings them because I can't sing. And then we make little videos uh, on birthdays and that's behind the vault. 
So it's sort of like a place, a family gathering area, digital, that reflects our values and has has ways to keep it private. I had my my tech guy do a little website. It's nothing fancy, but uh, it's able to keep some private stuff on there and then some public stuff as well. That's that's incredible. So how you know you have uh, both your kids? Are they both married? Yeah, uh, my actually my my daughter's married and my son's engaged. Um, they both are working on their second spouse. Um, so I have bonus grandkids. I have three of my own, fourth one on the way, and then four bonus grandkids. And they're all in that um, six to 11 year old range. So fun. Oh my gosh. It's great. So fun. Okay. They're all into sports, which is right up, you know, stuff I like. So how do your kids, how do you convince them? (laughs) Let's talk about this. So your kids want to live on the property with you. They're already living on the property and mom and dad's house is coming. So are they excited? I mean, they live there. Oh, you know, we live in a world where we've really shifted to be just hyper independent, where you'll see families really split apart, right? Where you don't see your family a lot. And and I think it's something that's really lost. So what does that look like? I mean, what's the family culture, family environment where this can work? My, my two kids get along really well, and then the spouses get along really well, and then we're, we're really close with our children as well. So I think that's kind of at the core is what kind of relationship do you have with your children or they mm-hmm. have with their parents. To me, that's at the core. That's the glue. Um, and I would, uh, I would say that my wife is uh, very much like glue to mm-hmm. that. She does the daily check-ins with the kids and, you know, very integrated in a, uh, in a, in a very close knit way, which is really positive. I am as well. Um, but, but maybe, uh, maybe less, uh, you know, interactive. My son and I work together. So mm-hmm. he's part of our veteran organization that we started and part of the growth factory. Um, and so he and I are pretty much together. My daughter and I invested into her real estate company and we sold that, uh, a few years ago. And now she's off on her own again with another real estate company, or she's building her own real estate company with, without me. So she works out of our co-working space here too. So I see him all the time at work. Um, but, uh, it's, it's just a close family. It's like a family business, but it's, um, you know, you might ask yourself, you know, why would you guys want to hang out together so much? And I, I don't know, I guess I'm just the lucky one because, you know, I'm still uh, have some amount of relevancy. Yeah. But talk to me about this. You know, if, if you were the dad, that's, I got all the answers. I've got the business acumen. You guys kind of need me. Um, you know, that's a bit controlling. It sounds like and in, in that circumstance, I feel the kids would be like, oh, yeah, the property sounds cool, but we're good. Like, we're not going to live there. <laughs> you know, so there's some sense of, of unattachment maybe to some of them, to some of their life where you let them do their thing. And and sounds like your wife probably even lets them do their thing. Um, so so how do you build that as a parent? Hmm. Um, well, I think letting go is that piece has to happen at some stage. And I don't know what the right age is, um, but I think the, the easier time that you can have or the, I won't even say easier time. It's going to be tough for people to let go, I think in many cases, but I think that we have to let go at the right time. And I think it's kind of, and I think being a little bit gradual is helpful. Um, it's not a magic age. Someone's mm-hmm. 18 or 16 or 25. I think it's when they're ready, you have to, you have to, you have to let go and you have to let them fail um, so that they become adults. Mm-hmm. You know, my son certainly, as I mentioned, served in Afghanistan shot. Yeah. Um, it's like, look, he's, he's done things that uh, I've never done. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm letting go. Right. That's not like I have um wisdom in every area that he doesn't have. Yeah, that's really good. So when you say letting go, are you almost like saying letting go of the decisions that they make, like not having to have an an opinion or, I mean, what do you mean by letting go? Yeah, I think so. I think let go of the idea that you have control 
Mm. Let go of the idea. Um, we always have influence, but you don't have control. Um, and so we have to, I think, especially with adult children, we have to let go of any control we might think we have because it, it's it's not real, number one, anyway. Um, uh, yes, will, very as good. As you mentioned, it'll be resented if you try to flex it. Right. Um, and so it's more of a waste of, uh, it's a waste of effort uh, to, to try to harbor that desire to control. So if you can drop the desire, I think that's helpful. I just love, accept them. They're, mm. they're half you. So why not just accept them for what they are? And um, I think in life, we, we all want people just to love us anyway. Yeah. Oh, such good points. Okay. So I've got down influence versus control. Control's not real. So it's a waste of time. A reminder that your kid is half you. So the parts you like about yourself and the parts that you're still working on, right? That's right. When I see stuff I don't like about my kids, I'm like, oh shit, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, and I'm 59 and I'm still working on that. 100%. Right. So it's like, we we can't expect our kids to like look and feel like this perfect thing because we're not that thing. And that's not what life is about. Life is about, you know, finding joy in the struggle of discovering your greatness to kind of put it in, you know, y- your pursuit. Um, okay. So do you foresee, do you foresee there being more houses in Haneyville one day and maybe a grandkid living there one day? Like, what do you, what do you foresee there? You know, good question. I, I figure uh, I'm not going to paint that picture. But the grandkids, um, they wrote out, and it's, it's on our website. I think it's behind the vault, though, but they all wrote out what Haneyville means to them. Mm. And each of them wrote a little letter to me because uh, they, they know that I'm the sentimental grandpa with the, yeah, yeah. With the vision. But I want it to be about what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want it to be uh, magnetic in some way in terms of legacy, um, and, uh, excuse me, legacy, uh, family traditions is what I meant to say. Um, and so hopefully that outlives me, the desire to, to be a tight knit family extends beyond my wife and I, uh, and my kids, it can, it can transfer to the grandkids and that might mean living out there, but it might not, they need to be themselves. Um, and we're not, I'm not trying to, uh, paint that as an expectation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like this word, <clears throat> excuse me, this word you use magnetic. Cause that it's, you know, if someone's listening, it's less about the, the 72 acres. It's about what you're, cre- you're creating a home. You're creating a space that could be done in an apartment. It could be done on a thousand acres. So when you think about creating a magnetic space, you know, maybe go a little deep. Like, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, what, what does it feel like? I'm not really sure. It's kind of like, it's kind of something you almost can't describe. So I'm asking you to yeah. describe the undescribable. Yeah. Um, so again, picture this, uh, you know, acreage, mm-hmm. creeks running through it, town center where we might have a family dinner, uh, amphitheater in the middle with a pond behind it so that it's kind of a, a gathering place, if you will. And we, um, we already do, uh, like I'm, I'm one of those guys that, um, even since high school, my only talent has been being able to throw a party that people loves to come to. So I've been that person. <laughs> my kids have sort of, um, uh, developed that strength as well. My daughter, again, in real estate, she's got, um, a very large following, um, as the youngest ever Placer County Association of Realtors president, um, and a real, uh, strong following here. My son as well in the, in the veteran community um, and in the, in the entrepreneurial community mm-hmm. around Sacramento. So we, um, we like to throw the parties that people want to come to. And, and we think that our, our grandkids are, some of them are going to be kind of social like that. So it'll be a place where they can um, have events for their, like, I think this week, my granddaughter is having her uh, uh, class end of year party over there right and so they're going to remember that i i would assume as a place that was uh that every that their friends thought was cool my yeah. mom and dad are cool my grandparents aren't too bad um it's kind of a cool thing and the one thing that we're doing that um i think is really unique and i 
So I, I touched on it with the growth factory and the backyard advantage being the leaders of Sacramento rallying around the most promising startups. Right? That's, that's really a party of three or 400 of the most influential people in Sacramento all gathering around a very small, small handful of startups that are, that are venture backed. Mm-hmm. And so when, the, um, uh, when it becomes the place to be for a uh, fourth grade class and it becomes the place to be for uh, the most successful entrepreneurs and business people of Sacramento, it's like this becomes almost like this uh, uh, playground for um, really doing things that um, aren't usually done in somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's happening there. And I'm hoping that from a magnetic standpoint, that that will be etched upon their um, psyche is like, that's how it's supposed to be done. Um, we're supposed to care about our families, supposed to care about our friends, supposed to care about our community. Yes, 100% agree. But I have a different vibe from you. So let me see if I can dig into this. Your vibe isn't this like, we care about family, show up to this. It is different because if I feel like if I'm driving away from a Haney party, I'm looking at my wife going, and I haven't been, but I'm saying if I were on one hand, I would say, man, that place, that space was totally kick-ass. Like I love what they did, but there's something else happening there. And, and, and I can hear it in your terminology, party, playground. Like there's something else that you're bringing, like a charisma, something that is making it welcome. So I believe that the space is awesome, right? We love to show up to rad spaces, but what's that underlying tone that you and your wife are creating that is making this a party? It's a playground. It's fun. It's like caring. What's that underlying vibe right there? Love. Hmm. Um, And so my vision, and this has been attractive to, um, investors for for the growth factory to mentors to corporate partners to my friends and family and and really to the companies we've invested into is this idea of business partners that feel like family business Mm -hmm. partners that actually love each other um and that sounds a little bit i don't know touchy-feely but you've been on great teams you you your company you don't have uh an average company you know, no. People that really, you, you know, you and Obeth are doing CrossFit together. You, you like hanging out. There's yeah. actually shared sacrifice and things that have happened along the way that bring builds trust. Ultimately that can build love. Um, and I think it can draw people together in a world where uh, most people are trying to divide us. Mark, <laughs> this is so good. So your, uh, your underlying vibe is love. And from everything I've talked about with you for the last 50 minutes, when you say love, it is not coming from like a dad or a mom who loves based on like, I love you as long as I love you as, you know, if you do it this way, it really feels that your love is very authentic, that it's not that you're not attached to an outcome because you want a great outcome, but the great outcome feels less about Mark. It feels more about our Ned and Sarah driving away from my house, feeling loved, not that, oh, Mark felt like a total awesome guy. So what is it about Mark that allows you to be free in yourself that you want to love people without expecting something in return for you feels as though you really want the best for somebody else. And and like, that feels like a very authentic love to me. Yeah. I mean, I think realistically um, we like to be around uh, people that have, um, commonalities with us right and so i think being able to find common ground that we both love we can call it skin in the game if you want we both love fantasy football we both love uh uh you know uh our mutual friends we both love these startups we're investing into um we all like hanging out with your family you love your daughter i love your daughter mm-hmm. um i think you know we have to find the things in life that we agree on. I mean, there, and, and yeah. that we love together and, the, and there is crossover. And mm-hmm. so my, uh, you know, my approach is that put the things uh, in my life that bring me down, uh, minimize the time I spend with those type of people, with that kind of media, 
with that kind of um, think, uh, if I can minimize my time or cut it all the way out um, and then focus on the things that I really love mm-hmm. or the people that I really love, the people that I, I think, you know, we love sort of the same stuff. We've got same skin in the game on certain things. Well, let me just gravitate toward those people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when you're driving away from the house, I don't, maybe you know, maybe we're uh, buddies on an investment or uh, your kid is in the same class as, uh, you know, my, uh, my daughters. Um, that's okay. We both care about, you know, school pride, right? Mm. It's like, we have things we believe in that we sometimes just block out of our mind. We, I'm a hometown guy. So, I mean, if you're a civic leader of Sacramento, you have a skin in the game for Sacramento. I mean, can't we, can't we uh, agree that, when our neighbor succeeds, it's good for the neighborhood. When our, when our neighborhood mm-hmm. succeeds, it's good for the town. When the town succeeds, it's, it's good for society. So it seems to me that Mark is comfortable and confident enough in his own skin that when you meet somebody, you are looking for connection. You're looking for how are we similar? How do we connect? There's always most, most of the times going to be a connection versus you know, comparing And I think those are two different things. It's like, am I choosing to make a connection with this human being or am I choosing to compare, which automatically is throwing up like walls between us? Uh, So man, super fired up. This is just such great stuff. I love it. Before I ask you my final question, any last thoughts that you'd want to share about being a father, being a leader, marriage, anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to, or anything else about the compound, which sounds amazing um, that we didn't touch on? I would say, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, if I had be you, mm. so I'm, I'm this, uh, out there person that, uh, grandiose visions, I think, and some people might say, um, but be you, um, you're going to be your authenticity. Um, and you being you is going to translate into, uh, your own happiness and the development of your children. I think more than anything else. I think that's so critical connecting those dots. You know, you said before your kids have you. So when you are you, it's really good for your kids, right? Because they need you to be you because then you're being them and you're able to help them along on their journey. So perfect. Perfect. Oh man. I I have so enjoyed this conversation, but I am going to ask you my final question. And we kind of been talking about it a bit, but legacy. So if in 30 years you're standing outside the compound or standing outside, you know, and you're just stepping back, kind of watching it all play out, what is it that you see? And it's not about, you know, business success, nothing about that. It's just, here's what I see being played out in front of me and my grandkids, maybe, maybe some great grandkids based on the way that Mark has lived his life. What's the legacy? I... 30 years is a long time. Um, so, which is interesting. So my mom died and, uh, before we started all this, uh, and we planted a tree there mm. for my mom, um, we, my grand, my father-in-law just died. So we planted a tree for him. Uh, my sister-in-law died. Uh, so we planted a tree. So I don't know if I'm gonna be a tree or not. Um, mm. there might be a tree out there with my wow. name on it. I'm not sure. Um, but if, if CrossFit serves me well, um, and yoga, and I can still throw batting practice to my grandkids, I guess my vision would be me out there with a little kid playing catch. Um, and, uh, you know, other people, uh, in the, uh, in the vicinity doing their own thing and other people, meaning family members, maybe friends, but that I'm out there um, playing catch with a young person. And it's probably, hopefully like a great grandchild. Ah, Mark, so beautiful. So I I just want to just point out, you know, like when asked the question, you know, I think everybody listening can really hear just a great vibe, a great sense, just great heart from you. And you've used the word play a few times and that was the last word. So my encouragement to dudes who are just feeling so stressed and so keyed up and every day is the same, like, dude, turn off the TV, go outside and play for a minute, go outside, get in the dirt, you know, build a jump for your kid on his bicycle, throw the ball, throw the football, jump in the pool with your daughter. Like as a dad, sometimes when my nine-year-old says, dad, jump in the pool with me. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to get cold or whatever. I don't want to be that dude. Just freaking jump in like you're 10 years old. So it sounds like Mark, that you bring a lot of that into your life that just, just play. It doesn't have to be for any purpose 
but just to play, to remember what it feels like to play. So I uh, love that. So Mark, thank you, man. I mean, this last hour, I got so many notes, so many great nuggets. Thank you for the man, the father, the friend, uh, you know, especially for really leaning into your marriage. It's critical for our world. Um, thank you. I look forward to getting to know you more. I look forward to watching all the things that you do, that your family does, and the, the impact that you have on Sacramento. And uh, thank you for your time today. Greatly appreciated. Again, I'm honored to be here and thank you. Um, and I love what you're doing. I think uh, uh, this topic should be central to uh, fatherhood, it should mm. be central to uh, any father uh, in their life. Mm. Love it. I appreciate you and I look forward to connecting again. Thank you. What another incredible conversation. I just really enjoyed talking to Mark. So much wisdom, uh, so much humility, uh, just really all around incredible dude. There's a couple things that stuck out to me. Um, you know, at the beginning, I talked about the uh, item around control, that control is really just a waste of time. Loved that. Um, that's been very helpful for me. It's okay to be great. That statement, it's okay to be great. Um, I just think that's so powerful. We kind of live in a society that we glorify people online for being great, but then in our own world, in our own lives, in our own home with our own children, really to go, hey, it is okay to be great. Um, and then the other thing is, I want to be the kind of person that isn't so focused on myself that I am working to discover greatness in others. And as dads, as guides, as leaders in our home, that is really, I believe, one of the number one callings on our lives is to discover the greatness in our children, which means that we got to be out of our own head, out of our own selves, and be in tune with our children, discovering what they're great at and confirming and affirming, you know, when they do something great to come alongside pat them on the back. When I say to my son, Brody, I'm so proud of you. I saw you do X, Y, or Z, or I say that to my daughter, all of a sudden they start seeing themselves in that manner as well. And as a father, our words, I'm proud of you. I saw you. I noticed you. Great job. They are the words, the moments, the opportunities to discover the greatness inside of our children. So a huge thank you to Mark for that conversation. Extremely powerful. Hey, my friends, I want to say thank you for following me on social media the past month leading up to Father's Day and supporting the children's book, The Adventure of Fatherhood. We have fully funded $30,000. It's amazing. And I'm so thankful. This book is going to change the world. If you didn't know about it or didn't get to be a part of it, go check it out at adventureoffatherhood.com. You could still pre-order the book. And if the Kickstarter is running when you hear this, you could still be a part of that. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout, together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you have a question about fatherhood, something you'd like to throw by me, please shoot me an email. I'd love to connect. Ned at rebelandcreate.com. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and stay in tune with all the that we're doing and I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Mm-hmm.